Welcome to Christ for Us. This is Pastor Preuss. We read from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The parable of the sower and the seed describes four different kinds of soil, three bad kinds and one good kind. The good ground was not where people walk, it was not rocky, and it was not infested with thorny weeds. It was well plowed and ready to be seeded. The seed is the word of God. The good soil is the believing Christian heart that receives the seed in faith and keeps it. How does God prepare the Christian heart to receive his holy word? What goes into the plowing of the soil? At times, much pain and suffering. Sometimes pain is good for us. Nothing in us can make the word of God work. There is much in us that can keep the word of God from doing its work. We don't by nature believe what God tells us. In fact, by nature, we reject the holiest mysteries of God as foolishness. This is what St. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. How God changes that unbelieving heart into a believing heart is a mystery to us, though we do know that the power of God is the power of his word alone. St. Peter calls the gospel that is preached to us an imperishable seed by which we are born again. But how is it that some folks hear the same gospel as others and believe it and hold on to it and treasure it as the greatest possession in heaven and on earth, while others despise it and ignore it? Only God knows. I sure don't. Neither do you. Some folks think they do. They really do. They think they can understand how it is that the Word of God works in a believer's heart. They teach seminars on how to present the Word of God in such a way that people will believe it. Then they shave off the rough edges and adapt the gospel to the preconceived notions of the group to whom they are offering it. It has become a multi-million dollar industry. It's known as the church growth movement. It packages and markets the gospel like some kind of commodity. It teaches preachers and congregations how to present the gospel in such a way that people will be receptive to it. Extensive polls are done to learn what folks believe about various religious topics, and then pastors and other teachers are shown how to plug the gospel into the thoughts of the people. They are experts on soil testing, and they're not talking about agriculture, they're talking about human hearts. 
These alleged church growth experts claim to have discovered what the American religious market wants and doesn't want. Apparently, people are more interested in dynamic relationships than in divine doctrine. They would rather be entertained in their worship than to learn a liturgical form that focuses on their need for mercy. People want a positive message of personal success. They don't want to hear about pain, suffering, and bearing a cross. Well, this may well be true, but what people want and what they need are two very different things. God has something to teach us, but our sinful flesh doesn't want to be taught. So God uses suffering, our suffering, as an occasion to teach us what we might not want to know when everything is going our way. The Apostle Paul wrote this epistle from which our text is taken. He was suffering pain. <clears throat> he, was suffering pain. he called it a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan, literally an angel of Satan. What it was, we don't even know. It could have been his eyes. It could have been something else. We know for sure that it caused Paul much pain and that Christ, his dear, loving, gracious Savior, wanted Paul to suffer pain. Now that is hard to believe, but it's true. Sometimes our loving God wants us to suffer. St. Paul is not a unique case. St. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer for it if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Called by God to suffer. Imagine that. Called to suffer in imitation of Jesus, who suffered. Called to pick up the cross that God sends to bear it with patience. Called to be weak and at times a bit pathetic. That's depressing, isn't it? No, it is the most comforting thing in the world. Consider St. Paul. What a saint God made him. He had visions of heaven. He's the man that he describes here in 2 Corinthians as being caught up into the third heaven. Now, the first heaven is the air above us that we breathe. The second heaven is the universe in all its vastness. The third heaven is, as Paul explains paradise, what we ordinarily call heaven. He was brought into the presence of God in a way no man can even describe, but he won't boast about that. He went to heaven and came back, but he won't talk about that. Instead, he'll talk about his suffering. And why is that? Jesus explains why. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Don't look to heaven on earth, dear Christian. It isn't here for you. Instead, look to God's grace here on earth. It is sufficient for you. This is Jesus talking. He may not cure the cancer, though he could. He may not take away the pain from the surgery that just won't go away, though he could. He may not let you keep the property the bank is anxious to repossess, though he could. 
He is the Almighty God. All power on hev- in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. He has all power. He could cure the disease. He could provide the money. He could do whatever it is you want him to do. But he may choose not to. And one thing you must believe is this. He loves you. When he denies you what you so dearly want, he loves you. When you pray and pray and your dear one dies anyway, he loves you. When you ask him again and again to take away the pain, take away the problem, the sorrow, whatever the thorn may be, and he doesn't, he still loves you. Do you believe this? Or do you want to believe it but can't? You know it's true, but you can't figure out how, so you think maybe you do believe it, but not with all your heart because you really don't understand what in the world God is doing and why. What's going on here amidst all this confusion? What's happening is that God is plowing the ground of your heart so that he can pour out on you the rain of his grace and plant deep down into your pain the seed of his holy gospel when it is planted down deep where the birds can't find it where the thorns can't choke it where it can take deep root and grow you have within you a source of joy hope and confidence that no pain of this life can ever take away thank God he brings us suffering thank God he makes us face pain For how else could we really learn how weak we are? And we're weak. Have you ever been falsely accused and have responded with such bitterness that you became guilty of a worse sin than that of which you were accused? Have you ever felt helpless before the dying body of one you love and have doubted that God really cared about you? Have you ever looked at your sins and said, if only I could do it all over again, if only I had another chance, I'd do it differently, only to have to admit that you really wouldn't because you didn't? In other words, have you ever felt your own personal sinful weakness so acutely that the pain was just unbearable? Tell me on what can we depend in such moments when we're weaker than a little child but without the simplicity of his faith, when we can only lament our troubles but can do absolutely nothing to address them, much less solve them. On what can we rely? On God's grace alone. God's grace isn't floating around in space somewhere where we can't find it. God's grace is located. It is located in his gospel and sacraments. Wherever the gospel is, there is God's grace. There is the Holy Spirit. There is the power to bring sinners to faith, to keep them in the faith, to comfort them, strengthen them, and sanctify them. Wherever the gospel is preached, wherever the sacraments are administered, there is God's almighty saving power. You cannot add to this word, and you cannot take away from this word. You cannot make it more effective. You cannot render it impotent either. It is as God says through the prophet Isaiah, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The reason people question the power of God's word is that they forget their own need. 
suffering teaches us our true need. It teaches us that we are dust and that to dust we will return and there is no power that can deliver us from death but the power of the crucifixion of the Son of God where he faced our death and destroyed it. When we are weak, only then are we strong. Only in our weakness can we look to Jesus on the cross for us and have his image imprinted in our hearts and not his image in glory, but his image in suffering. It was in his deep and unimaginable sorrow and suffering that he faced what we in our suffering have never faced. He was forsaken by God. So when we suffer, we know that for Christ's sake we will never be forsaken, never left to suffer alone. Consider Christ's suffering and bind yours to his. Consider Christ's cross and tie yours to his. Christ's suffering and cross were, are, and will always be the bearing of our sins. He bore them to remove them. He suffered in our place to take away the cause of all human suffering. He bore our sins in his own body, and he washed them away by his blood. His suffering is good. It is our forgiveness, our life, and our eternal hope. His suffering guarantees that God's anger against us is removed forever. When you're weak and suffering pain, don't forget your true home. The home of every Christian is where the gospel is preached in its truth and purity and the sacraments are administered according to Christ's institution. Come and receive that word that is inherently powerful and always gracious. When God is plowing the soil of your heart and it hurts, he's not making you weak. He's showing you how weak you already are. He's telling you to seek out his strength, not inside of you, but in your baptism in his absolution, in the gospel and sacrament of Christ's holy body and blood. There, the virtue of Christ's suffering is given to you, and you become strong. Listen to him. Learn from him that only when you are weak are you strong. Amen. We thank you for being with us today on Christ for Us, a confessional Lutheran broadcast. We'd like to invite you to the services of First Confessional Lutheran Parish Sunday morning at 8 o'clock at First American Lutheran Church in Mayville, at 10.30 at Grace Lutheran Church in Crookston, and at 12 o'clock noon at First Devonger Lutheran Church in Fertile. And during Lent, beginning this coming week, we have Tuesday evening services 7 o'clock at Grace, Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock at First American, and Thursday evening, 7 o'clock at First Evanger. Tune in next Sunday for the next broadcast of Christ for Us.